Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. What's up? How was everybody's week? Played played some chess, won a few games. All right, nerd. Uh, I was basically uh, snowed in over the weekend. Basically just too cold. Like I'm not going anywhere. Uh, it is uh, cold as fuck right now. That needs to chill the fuck out. Yeah. It's probably the same here. Just used to it. Yeah, we were in a negative uh, during, over the weekend, the beginning of the week. I don't, I don't know what that means. So. Um, yeah, you and your Celsius. Well, I mean, I mean... It's more common to be negative in Celsius than Fahrenheit. Yeah, I know. Well, I know, yeah, I, but I know what it means when it's negative here. Okay, well, it freezes at 32 degrees. Mm-hmm. And we were at like negative 10 degrees this week. So that's colder than that. Yeah. Right. Much colder. Yeah, it was no good. No good. It's It's been about negative 20 Celsius, I think. I think that's right. Well, it's pretty cold. Yeah. Yeah. So I got home on Friday from work and I didn't go anywhere until I left for work on Monday. I mean, that's not unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Not as exciting to talk about as I had hoped. I don't know what you thought we were going to say to that. that I don't saying. know. I don't know. Basically just somebody to be like, yeah, it's been fucking cold. And we'd be like, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, like it's that kind of cold where just going from your car to like the inside of a building is too much. Yeah. I left I left to go to lunch today at work and I was like, this is a horrible idea. I mean, I have to assume it's gotta if it's that miserable here, it's gotta be more miserable where you are, Doug, right? No, I think it's actually warmer here. That's crazy. That's not fair. It snowed all day today, but I don't know. Just brushed the car off when I got out of work and came home. It wasn't a big deal. Oh, they got you going into the office again. Yeah, a couple times a week. Ugh. It's real exciting to go in there and then log into your computer and do stuff that you can't possibly do anywhere except online. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. My new house has a two-car garage, which means I consistently get to park in a garage for the first time in my entire fucking life. That's yeah. exciting. And it's awesome. I've never been so fucking happy in my entire life. Like, I never have to break my car out of the shell of ice (laughs) or, you know, stand out in the freezing fucking cold trying to get the snow off the goddamn headlights and stuff. I should be able to park in my garage since, you know, I'm the only person that lives here now. But uh, my garage has some furniture in it that I don't really have a good way to get rid of yet. So, Step one, place on curb. 
Step right. two, wait 15 minutes. <clears throat> Anytime I'm like, oh, maybe I'll put this stuff out by the curb. It starts raining. I'm like, oh, motherfucker. Because that's pretty much guarantee that people will leave it. And now it's completely soaked in water, which makes it worse. Here, maybe the screaming goat has an idea. <laughs> Does that help? <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I would have preferred it was a screaming ghost, if you know what I mean, guys. Wow. Ooh. Wow. You say mine are pretty bad, but that's pretty bad. You were never going to fucking do one if I didn't do something. That was pretty, that was, <laughs> that was pretty thin. Been here for about 20 minutes and we barely got the audio working so that you could complain about furniture in your garage. What the fuck is going on? Let's talk about movies, goddammit. Do you know what else is thin, Noah? The veil between the world <laughs> yeah, of the getting, living and the world of I the was, dead. I was getting ready to say, <laughs> the veil between the worlds. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> We're watching some... Uh, 90s uh, ghosty uh, stuff. Ghost mysteries with psychic connections to them. Yeah. <laughs> Peoples that can seize shit. Uh, since you just recently watched these, Noah, did you rewatch them? Uh, yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. All right. I'm impressed. Well, because when my wife was watching The Gift, I kind of came in 20 minutes into it. Oh, gotcha. Um,. Why don't you tell us about the gift? Uh, sure. Uh, girl uh, vanishes and or dies. Uh, we've got a psychic lady who <laughs> makes spurious arguments at best as to whether or not she takes advantage of people using her <laughs> yeah. psychic powers. Uh, and then we've got a whole cast of potentially evil dudes that may or may not be involved with this girl's disappearance. Um, basically, over the course of the movie, it's revealed that she was like, like super slutty, not in a she deserved it kind of way, but just she was getting around, like cheating on her, her fucking fiance and fucking Keanu Reeves character who's just fucking disgusting in this movie. He's just the worst. But that means he's so good because it's Keanu Reeves. You, it, Keanu Reeves makes you hate Keanu Reeves. Right. How is that possible? Uh, but yeah, it's just kind of like, it's a, it's just a slow reveal kind of movie where we keep getting more and more details of what happened until finally the big reveal of, oh no, it's the guy. The guy who she thought was into her murdered his uh, lady because she was out fucking around behind his back every 20 seconds. Spoiler. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, this movie is like 25 years old, I guess. I guess we don't have to spoil do spoiler alert. Oh, but. that that hurt a little bit. Right? My back right? got a little sore when you said it was 25 Once years I did old. the math, I'm like, oof. Oh. 24 years old, you dick. Um, <laughs> the movie is old enough to drink. Right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, we should mention Sam Raimi movie. Yeah. So we do get to see the classic at some point, which is yeah. always a joy. Mm-hmm. The, cl- the classic actually gets its own little plot line where it keeps um, breaking down and she's sort of trading, doing readings for 
the guy to repair it for free. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. And no, but. I still I still feel like on the rewatch this doesn't exactly feel like a Raimi movie to me. It doesn't feel like one of his more frantic movies with a lot of camera work and a lot of quick zooms and all that stuff. No, it's um, it, it's a mix between his horror stuff and his drama stuff, like his yeah. um like a simple plan, but then with horror elements mixed in and taking advantage of his visual style that he can do when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so Doug, what'd you think on a rewatch? Uh, I, I mean, I love this movie. I knew that going in. It has been a long time <laughs> since I watched it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's like, I think all the characters are interesting. I think the storytelling is really well done. I like the beginning of the movie where you're kind of getting to know the little town that they all live in. And you're kind of like just following, um, you're, you're following this lead character, Kate Blanchett's character, who's the psychic lady, but you're seeing her interact with all these different people and learning who everyone is. Um, it's a little bit more difficult to uh, comment on whether the mystery works because I've seen the movie enough times that I knew the answers, but I think it works. I think like you could have ended this movie on any one of those three leads being the killer and you could have made the story make sense which is pretty impressive, I think, storytelling. Um, I, I mean, the ability, like you said, of Keanu Reeves to be evil is really impressive. The Giovanni mm-hmm. Ribisi character, his fucking just broken soul of a human being is amazing. The cast is very much like a, a who's who of like 98 to 2002 people. There's a mini mm-hmm. mini Spider-Man reunion because in addition to the classic, there's also J.K. Simmons and uh, what's her name, Rosemary Harris, are both in this. So, yeah. of of all the characters I support in this entire movie, J.K. Simmons is the true hero of the entire <laughs> film. He's he's the only person whose reactions to stuff are like measured and like where they should be. In the real world, he'd be my hero of the story as well. In the way the story's told, um, he's completely dismissive of Kate Blanchett's powers, but as an audience, we already know that those are real powers, right? So that's where I'm like, it's hard to see him as a hero, but I agree. Like, if this were the real world, and they were like, okay, we're going to go ask this psychic lady if we can, uh, where, where, where to find a body. And he's just like, the whole time, he's just like, this is fucking dumb. Like, it's so frustrating. Well, but part of it is, he's, but he's not dismissive to a fault. Like, at the end, he'll be like, this is fucking stupid, and we're going to fucking do it anyway. And if you're wrong, I'm going to be really pissed off. I agree with that, yeah. And then it works out, and he's like, all right, well, you weren't wrong, so we'll just keep on a going. <laughs> but there is that moment where she's, like, come into his office, and she's trying to convince him that she might know where the body is and he calls in a deputy and the reason he called the deputy in is because the eclair is missing from the box of donuts and he's pretty pissed off about it (laughs) and i mean jk simmons is a master of being a likable prick i mean that's why he was such a great j jonah jameson is because he's great at doing that of like I'm being an asshole, but I'm still just charismatic enough that you kind of enjoy me and I don't cross that line. Um, so those moments he's really good in, even though it is a smaller role. 
Um, let's run down the cast because the cast is amazing, as you pointed yeah. out. Uh, we got Kate Blanchett as the main character. Katie Holmes is the girl that goes missing. As we mentioned, Keanu Reeves is the town asshole. Yeah. Wife Giovanni Rabisi. Racist. Yeah. Anti-Semitic in the middle of it for no reason, really. He yeah, doesn't like, need yeah, why to be not? anti-Semitic. He just throws <laughs> that in. Uh, Giovanni Rabisi, Greg Kinnear, Hilary Swank, uh, Michael Jeter, who most people remember from, uh, was it Evening Shade? Was that the show he was on? Burt Reynolds? I don't know. Um, Kim Dickens, who, even if you don't know that name, you look at her, you're like, oh yeah, I knew who that is. Uh, Gary Cole. Yeah. I mean, the cast is just amazing. J.K. Simmons, as you pointed out. Yeah. Rosemary Harris, the classic. Rosemary Harris, yeah, yeah. John Beasley, who's another guy who's one of those guys. Chelsea Ross, who's yeah, the religious pitcher from Major League. Play, it, he's kind of playing the same character here, because now he's playing the, uh... He's playing like a preacher in this, right? So, yeah. So, I assume it's the same character carried forward. <laughs> Just loaded up, and it's a good like southern mystery too. Yeah, I think too. It's a lot of fun. Like they all put on. It's it's what's fascinating about this cast is they all play these like southern characters, and many of them are not southern in any way. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and they all pull it off, which is kind of fascinating to get this many actors doing it right together like i'd say like almost like i'd say the weak link would probably be katie holmes and there's nothing wrong with her performance by any stretch of the imagination just maybe her accent fluctuates a little bit scene to scene but yeah it's not like i mean i'm being real nitpicky to come up with a criticism there Um, we got a nice spectrum too like keanu reeves plays like the redneck southern guy um greg kinnear is like the the more wealthy southern guy Gary Cole's like the Southern uh, businessman sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Well, now I just may be a small town ghost (laughs) lawyer. And J.K. Simmons, he plays the perfect Southern sheriff. Yeah. No, it's, they are playing these kind of archetypes of what you expect to find in a movie about a small town. But I think because they do such a good job, it doesn't feel like everybody's trying to be different. You know what I mean? Yeah. You yeah, like, you can see them all living in the same town and yeah. not being weird. It, it, and it feels, they do a really good job, I think, of setting it up so it feels like a small town where like half the people are really poor, but then half the people like are in the country club. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you've yeah. got like like the uh, the two ladies, um, I don't, can't remember character names, uh, Kim Dickens' character and Kate Blanchett's character are both like, like they're friends but they're not, they're from like kind of different sides of the track. So Kate Blanchett gets to go to like the country club, but she's not a member. She just gets to go with her friend. And it's kind of like, there's that, I don't know, Southern tension that exists because people are like, Oh, well, we're happy to see you here and we'll be nice to you. But secretly we're all kind of looking down our nose at you. And that kind of just is hovering throughout the movie. I find. And even like when like she tries to report that, uh, the Keanu Reeves character has broken into her house because very clearly it's him. Like he's, he's been there threatening her and he's been seen publicly like around her children and stuff. And well, like, she's ah. a goddamn witch. She, yeah. <laughs> but even the sheriff is just like, he's just like, ah, he's a good old boy. We go squirrel hunting together. So can't be him. And you're just like, Oh, that, that small town thing. You're just like, it's, that's pretty annoying. 
like, look, just leave him alone and he'll stop. And it's like, no, he won't whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody does such a good job in this movie. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Giovanni Ribisi's character. Oh, wow. It was just this, yeah, sort of broken, uh, mechanic guy. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird because you're like, well, is he slow? Is he sort of what's going on with him? And then just as the movie goes on, like there's more and more it gets uncovered about his past and it just becomes more and more heartbreaking the entire time. Yeah, you really start to feel for him. And there's the moment when he snaps, which is like a very powerful scene. where yeah. He is just he comes to her begging for help and she has just been through like testifying in court against the Keanu Reeves character and she's just like I just like I can't right now like I will help you but I can't right now and she gets a call that night and he's like flipped out and people are like you're the only one he listens to can you come here and he's got his dad tied up and he's whipping him with that belt and just just seething angry just like foam coming out of his mouth but still kind of like looking I don't know. He's such a good performance. He, he's, you still feel bad for him in that moment, even though he's doing this horrible thing. He's, yeah. he's just like, he still seems like very kind of childlike and very broken. He, and, and even though he's kind of snapped, you kind of like are, and he's also explaining in, in indirect terms, explaining why he's snapping, which makes you feel yeah. a little bit, it's a little easier to accept what's going on. But yeah, once you realize what his babbling is all about, it's just yeah, like, yeah. Oh fuck. And you're just like, I can't, it's, it's really a moment where you're watching him do horrible things and you're thinking somebody stop him. But on the other hand, you're still feeling bad for him. And that's a huge accomplishment for everyone involved in that mm. scene to have pulled that off. Cause he even smacks the Kate Blanchett character who's been like our lead this whole time. And who's a very like kind of meek character. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're naturally protective of somebody who's been beaten up by the world like that. So I was like, yeah, and at the same time, kind of deserves it. Why? Why do, why do you hate the Kate Blanchett character? Explain. <laughs> I'm having trouble. I was watching it because of and of thinking about your comments you made last time that she's like. A well, I mean, even I so, even in it. the movie, it comes it comes back to her several times. There is an innate immorality of peddling psychic stuff to people confidently when you should not, in which. She's guilty of that, and that's what happens to that character. She, even though she has legitimate abilities, is peddling her bullshit confidently to him and destroys him. Like, it's her fault. What's her fault? The whole, your daddy loves you, follow the blue diamond bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, because she's thinking her visions are saying one thing, she's going in one direction, and really what she's doing is telling an abused child that it, the abuser loves him and that he should feel safe around his abuser. No, I don't think she knows what the blue diamond is at that point. I, I know she doesn't. That's why she should shut the fuck up. This is just That's your the anti- point. This is just you not liking psychics. That's what this is. What did the psychic do to you, Noah? <laughs> I, was, I was also touched by a psychic. <laughs> In yeah, the no, mind, I, there's, I think the inherent bias here is in is in you, you're not liking psychics, which is fine. No, I don't think so. I think the, this movie toes a pretty direct line about it. No, I think because I think the opposite. I think she very often refuses to say anything confidently 
about like when they like when they ever on the stand and they're saying oh well, you're saying this guy killed her and she's like i'm not saying that at all all i'm saying is i saw a body in a tree and i had a dream and i was able to lead the police to where the body is right and I'm i don't and saying I, what happened the, she does this is the whole thing i don't throughout the movie and she does it with donnie specifically several times where she's like trying to calm him down she's encouraging him to take his actual medication from his actual doctor but he keeps coming to her and keeps coming to her and yeah in that moment maybe she says something that's mildly inappropriate because she's flustered by this terrible situation she's found herself in but she's not like and she doesn't you know she doesn't encourage him to to do anything she just kind of says like uh, uh, once away. again i'm not i'm not disagreeing with you i'm saying that it's it's inherently dangerous it is an inherently bad thing to do and and once again they call her out on her shit a bunch of times like the fact that while they're in the court scene and she's like you know i never charge anybody for my readings or whatever and he goes yeah you just ask for donations yeah. well yeah but that's not charging and it's like yes Yes, it is. It's just charging without setting a price. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's still charging. But the only reason she's doing that is because they've made it illegal for her to charge. She's not, yeah, she's yeah, not, they've. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which means she would be fucking charging people if she could. Yeah, but she's providing them a service. They're coming to her voluntarily for that service. She's using her. She's using the cards from the opening scene of Ghostbusters to read their fortunes. <laughs> I think what Noah is saying is with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. 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 She's not She's, being responsible. Yeah. It's very, it's that, very Spider-Man. You have to like, you have to tread lightly. Not. I'm not saying if you have a vision of where a dead body is, you shouldn't like act on that to, to do that kind of stuff. But at the same time, if, if you speak confidently about things that you cannot have confidence in, it is dangerous and it hurts people. And I'm saying I don't think she speaks confidently. The character is very non-confident. She's in a desperate situation doing what she can to get by. And I, I just don't... I, I think if you take your inherent bias against psychics out of it, that she's just she's just doing her best. And yeah, her best isn't quite good enough in, in, in the story. That's true. But she's not... She never does anything that's wrong. Yeah, Noah, let up on the Warrens already. Yeah, fuck them too. <laughs> She's nowhere. She is nowhere near as evil as the Warrens. She only destroyed one guy's life. Well, and yeah, and she never lied to anyone or did anything intentionally wrong. Um, which is a slight difference between her and them. But whatever. Great, uh, great characters for a film series. Horrible people in real life. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm saying the difference is, and, and I'm with you in the fact that in this movie, she is not a huckster. Is she a hulkster? Maybe, I don't, <laughs> we didn't get a good look at her wardrobe. Uh, but yeah, I don't think she's that type of person. I just think that, once again, you you peddle that shit and there's consequences to it. How great would it be if she, Noah wanted to get his fortune read she... Comes out to the real American theme, tears off t shirt, sits down, gives you a psychic reading. Come on, brother. Let me see the lines on your palms. You're getting your you're getting your characters mixed up. It was the Katie Holmes character that tore her shirt off, not the Oh, that's right. Character, so. We did get that's some right. corpse corpse titties in this movie. We did. Some real ones. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I, think, I, guess, I guess if you want to compare and contrast, you did get to see the same set of breasts alive and dead, so you can know which one you prefer. <laughs> if that's what you're getting at, Brian. Weirdly very that's similar. We <laughs> I mean, she wasn't that dead that long. I think they would look a lot more different if she was dead longer. <sighs> well, that was it was like a big deal for like our our generation back then. It's like Katie Holmes is topless in this movie. I'll fully admit the first time I watched this movie, that was why. like and then i watched the whole movie and loved it and then i'm like grabbing like the dvd box from jumbo video we're looking at the back of it and going holy shit sam raimi directed this no wonder it's so good like not not quite as shocking as going into a uh, psycho remake and seeing Anne haitia's butthole (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) but i didn't know that was coming this this I knew about <laughs> on a first time watch. Yeah. Also, this is a good movie, and that was the remake of Psycho. So that <laughs> it's another difference. Yeah. If you're a fan of Harold and Kumar, they even bring it up in that. All right. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I'd say I, I don't know. I th- I think upon the rewatch, I'm still in the same spot I was. I'm not saying this is a bad movie. It's just not a movie I'm into. Not notwithstanding the fact that there are several really good performances in it. Like Don't like Southerners, huh? <laughs> uh you know, that's pretty accurate. Like <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, the South. <laughs> right. Anyways. Uh. So I since it's a Sam Raimi film, we do get some really good visual flourishes. Um, there's the the dream sequence. There's the body hanging in the tree. There's that moment where she like looks at that flower and it like curls up. Those are pretty cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. All of his stylish touches uh, really shine in the movie. They're maybe not as prominent as you would see in other films. Um, I would like, say, uh, like I would say that they suit the film just right. Yeah, they, for sure. They help bring in like they they help distinguish between the the dream sequences and the real world without setting the dream sequences in some kind of cartoon universe that's completely different from the real world. Right? You understand yeah. why? Like the the moment where like she's having her dream sequence and walking around and she wakes up and she's like all panicked. You understand why you'd wake up panicked? Why that dream would feel real? Like they do a good job of setting that up. Mm-hmm. And and then she gets saved by a dead ghost boy. <laughs> the ending is a bit is a bit weird because we didn't have physical interactions between ghosts and humans this entire movie. And in the very end, we do get that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it counts as a cheat or not. So yeah, for people who maybe haven't seen the movie in a while, like it ends with the Greg Kinnear character takes her out there. He's now fully convinced she's a psychic, and therefore he knows that she'll eventually figure out he's the one that did it. (laughs) So he takes her out to like the scene to see if she'll like, she'll figure it out. She has a vision, figures it out. And he's like, so now I kind of have to like take you out because you've figured this out. Giovanni Rubisi's character shows up, knocks him unconscious, locks him in the trunk of a car. And then we later find out that Rubisi's character hung himself in his jail cell or hospital cell or whatever he was in. Well, I like um, I like the fact that Kinnear's character is basically like, you saw it. You saw what kind of a fucking horror she was. <laughs> there, there's a moment where he thinks like, because he, him and Kate Blanchett have been flirting this whole movie, right? 
and like because he works at her kid's school and they've had several interactions and there's a moment where he thinks maybe like look you've seen what she's like you've had your visions you know how much of a dirty dirty whore she is so maybe you'll just be okay with the fact that i killed her and you and i can still date like (laughs) it's like i don't i don't know if that's a reasonable approach to the situation i think it it should have been foreseeable for him that when she found out that he was a murderer, that she lost interest. Like it's, <laughs> I don't know. Murder just, one whore and everybody freaks out. You know. But she, see, it's, it's a, it's foreshadowing too though. Right. Because she freaked out because Keanu Reeves kept beating up his wife. So now she's of course going to freak out about Greg Kinnear killing his fiance. Like it just makes sense. Right. Totally. That moment is like, and I really like Greg Kinnear in this movie too, because he plays that just kind of like arrogant Southern gentleman who's just like, you can clearly tell he thinks he's a little bit better than everybody else, but he's also kind of charming. So people kind of just go along with it, even though you can't, I don't think anybody really likes anybody in this movie. (laughs) It's really weird though. They're all kind of like just degrees of how open they are about their hatred towards each other. With the exception of uh, Giovanni Ribisi's character, really, really appreciating Kate Blanchett's character and what she's done for him. Yeah, I don't know. I think the the Ghost Boy ending also, I, I don't know, it, it costs some of the film for me. Because once again, they're, they're supposed to be, his character kind of represents the the bad parts of her ability. And at the end of the movie, they absolve her. Which is crazy. I don't. I don't understand how the reveal can I, both be I, the I, dude I whose life you ruined killed himself, and you're absolved of that. I don't. Th- I don't think anybody except you thinks that she ruined his life. His dad ruined his life. She was trying. Also, also to help true. Him. She was trying to help him in a world where he felt like nobody was ever trying to help him. She was doing her best to help him. And you're seeing this as a negative. <laughs> but she was genuinely caring for Trying him. to help somebody and helping somebody aren't the same thing. I don't... Listen, I could, reason he was I could try to perform surgery on somebody who's got cancer. It's not going to go well. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I Again, your inherent bias is showing, and I don't know how to explain it to you, but like the, he loved her he looked up to her he was she was the only thing keeping him sane for a long time she was the reason he was taking his medication from his actual doctor which was preventing him from being institutionalized she was the she was the reason he could get out of bed in the morning he was super protective of her of her family we see that moment where he goes after Keanu Reeves's character for just saying some negative oh. shit to her son, which is a great, another great scene. Such a good scene. Um, Doesn't say anything, just goes over and grabs the tire iron yeah. and then loses it. Oh, I love it when he, cause, uh, and that's the thing. And that, and I think that's where the moment where you realize, cause he actually, he, the line of dialogue is like, um, Keanu Reeves says like, you know, mind your own business. And he goes, that's what I'm fixing to do or something like that. And that's not the exact dialogue, but I tried to make it myself sound Southern for a second. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he goes, that's he's like, that's what I'm going to do is mind my business. And then he runs over and he grabs a crowbar and he starts going nuts on Reeves with it to, to protect um, Kate Blanchett's kid. And it's like, that's where you see, that's how he sees his role is that these people have taken care of him and now he wants to take care of them. So that's at the end that's what he's doing. He's his, the ghost version of him is taking care of the people who took care of him 
I don't think the movie has any intentions of anyone seeing it the way Noah's seeing it, where she somehow has hurt him. She's helped him his whole life. And yes, she wasn't able to save him, but she made everything better for as long as she could. Yeah. Noah. <laughs> I just, you're wrong. No, I, I, I'm sorry. Like, I just don't. <laughs> no. In, in the movie. Boom. I, I, mic drop. I'd be happy. I'd be happy to have listeners. If we had listeners, I'd be happy to invite them to email in or whatever and let us know what you think. But Tracy, for let the, us know. For the purposes of the movie, I'm 90% confident that the the idea is that she's been helping him, that she's been helping him maintain his sanity, and that yes, in the long run, she wasn't able to help him. She wasn't able to save him completely, but that's not the same thing as her hurting him. Do you think there's something she could have told him, Noah, that would have uh, changed things? No, I I think she does more by not. Does that she, make sense? You have to you have to be. The whole point is that you have to be careful because once again, some of the things she tells him contextually turn out to be very very fucked up bad things to tell if, somebody. If she in that situation, helping, if she hadn't been helping him, he wouldn't. He would have probably killed himself before the start of the film. I, I mean, but then it wouldn't, she wouldn't be on the hook for it. <laughs> right? Like, if, if, there's, if, a, if, there's a difference. If somebody's, if somebody's trying to jump off a bridge and you're able to stop them, and then three weeks later they jump off a different bridge, you're not a bad person for not stopping them at the second bridge. You're a good if, person for stopping them the first time. If, if somebody is trying to jump off a bridge and you shoot them in the leg to prevent them from jumping off the bridge, you still shot them in the leg. And saved their life in the process. Yes, but and, there and, are other... See, the wait, whole so point is just, that there just, are other options. <laughs> there, there aren't in this movie. There aren't other options. That's the thing. He says flat out, nobody cares about him. The only people that are in his life are his parents, who are horrific, and her, who is doing her best to help, I don't see how like you're making her a bad person. Like when he takes his, when her he best, takes his, her best is shit. Disagree again. He would have been dead a lot earlier if if she hadn't helped. I, I I don't see I don't see again. You know, like if someone's hungry and you feed them, but you don't have great nutritious food, so you just give them what you got. You still helped. It, it might not have been perfect. See, once again, I would go with a different thing. If somebody is hungry and they're allergic to peanuts and you give them a jar of peanut butter, sure, you solved a problem. But if you don't know they're allergic to peanuts, then what you did your best. How is that a bad thing? Mm-hmm. Should have been more careful. <laughs> so, so if you're walking down the street and you've got a jar of peanut butter and somebody says, I'm starving, please give me something to eat, and you hand it to them. And they happen to end up being allergic, and they get sick from that. You're a worse. Are they wearing it? Are they wearing a T-shirt that says, "Hey, I have a problem. I'm allergic to peanut butter." I don't know, man. I, I, I you and I have different ideas of what morality is. I, I think trying to help someone is a good thing, and you think trying to help people is a bad thing. No, congratulations. I think, I think you just came out as a secret Republican. You shouldn't ever no. try to help I, anyone. No, never try to help anyone because here's the difference between me and you. No, the morality is consequences. No, it's not. They, it, it almost exclusively is consequences. Trying to help someone and helping someone are two entirely fucking different things. You, you I am in favor of helping people. 
Okay. All right. Again, I, we have very different morals and that's causing us to see this film in very different ways. That's what this has come down to. And how, and how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> all right. So gift, we're all positive. Noah's a little less positive than me and Doug are. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in the place of it's all right. I'm in the place of it's fantastic. I think you're with me, right, Brian? Yep. I love I, this movie. I think it's great. I just like, I, I don't know. Every time I rewatch it, I'm surprised by how much I like it because I think like, okay, now I know the end of the mystery. So I won't be as caught up in that. Doesn't take away from my enjoyment of the film at all. Yeah. And I feel like it's a sort of a horror movie that gets overlooked when it comes to Sam Raimi. Um, yeah. I mean, he sort of had his run and then, uh, the same year this came out, like Spider-Man was coming out. So, or I guess Spider-Man was 2002, but I feel like it just sort of gets lost in that middle section of Raimi's career. Yeah. I think like we said the same thing when we talked about a simple plan is like, because he was no longer doing the sort of low budget horror that we all fell in love with. And he was not yet doing the big blockbustery stuff that, you know, some people like, some people don't. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that people forget that he had this middle part of his career where he was doing these middle budget films. Like it literally is like he took the normal progression of steps, but we don't usually follow that middle section. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, Doug, why don't you uh, keep us going and tell us about uh, stir of echoes. Stir of echoes. Um, it's kind of the sixth sense meets office space. In the sense that, <laughs> what the <What>? fuck? <laughs> okay, I, I do see your point now, but Jesus Christ, that's a that is a jump to conclusions for sure. <laughs> so there's a little kid in it who can see dead people. He's kind of creepy and weird, and his dad is Kevin Bacon, and Kevin Bacon gets hypnotized one night, and then that opens up his mind, which causes him to be able to start to see things as well. And the idea is that there's um, the little kid has been seeing someone in the house, so a ghostly figure. Yeah, now, they just moved in recently. Yeah. Now the dad has been starting to see things as well, and it's kind of driving a wedge within the family. He's starting to go a little crazy. Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of like a lot, a lot of tension between people who think that he should live his life like a normal human being and him who thinks that he should just drink orange juice and dig up the backyard looking <laughs> for bodies um which yeah i mean reasonable and the idea is that he's eventually there is this mystery that unravels about who the girl is and it's the the landlord of the property i don't if we need to get into the spoilers of exactly what happened right now but I don't think it hurts because this movie actually is 25 years old and like the last one that's yeah. 24. Um, so it, it turns out that the, some of the other characters, including the landlord and another guy that lives on the street, their sons had quote unquote, accidentally killed this girl during stuff. During a brutal attempted rape. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's one of those where it's like the, maybe the intent wasn't to kill, but there's, Anyways, um, well, we can debate the legalities of that later. Um, so they had buried her in the walls, and that's why the kid was seeing her. And mm. the dad, when his mind was opened up through the hypnosis, started to get flashes of her as well. And it sort of ends at a big climax. We get some fun moments. Um, yeah, I mean, plot-wise, that's it. 
we can get into all the, the details of what makes this a great film as we go through, I think. Yeah. I love this movie. <clears throat> Me too. I pointed out on Facebook, this definitely got overshadowed by Sixth Sense, which came out around the same time. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Yeah, but I feel like this one holds up better than the Sixth Sense does. Eh, I really. I'm I'm gonna step in and say I don't even appreciate your comment. I don't yuck other people's yums. There's there's <laughs> no need to say anything about the Sixth Sense in order to appreciate this film. Yes, I'm not saying you need to. There's already similarities there. There are similarities there. It's undeniable. And mm-hmm. I think the fact that this is a lesser known film is a result of the success the Sixth Sense had. But I don't. I don't think that means you have to say anything negative about Six Sense or <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sorry, Doug. I didn't realize it's M. Night Shyamalan was your it's a, uncle. It's a pet peeve of mine when somebody says, <laughs> I like this movie better than that movie. And it's like, you don't have to say anything bad about another movie. You can just like this movie. It's My point was Six Sense overshadowed this movie I, upon release. I agree with but that. I think in the long run, this movie holds up better than Six Sense does. I'm not saying Six Sense is a bad movie. I still oh. like that movie. That's, that's fine. I'm just being diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, Six Sense blows. <laughs> <laughs> you want to put Six Sense on the list and have a whole discussion about it? That's fine. That's I feel right. like the that's, big... that's when M. Night Shyamalan was still making good movies. <laughs> the first one? <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Let's just, uh, listen. Let's stop with the tangents. Yeah. Let's get back to why you like this movie. The obvious thing we got to talk about is Kevin Bacon's Chicago accent. It's really good, right? Is it? Like, it seems really good to me. But I don't know. You guys live a lot closer to Chicago than I do. It's not very chicago to me. It's not? No, okay. it's not. What's, what's his face? The, uh, the, not the landlord, but the other dad. Yeah. His yeah. Chicago accent's pretty chicago okay. Yeah, his is pretty good. The guy, the friend that's around that they all just yell at all the time. His is pretty good. His is kind of cartoonish, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Chicago. Yeah, Chicago's pretty cartoonish. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, hey, this is a good beef. <laughs> so, okay, but back to Kevin Bacon, I would just say solid performance does a really good job of maintaining this accent that apparently is not entirely uh-huh. authentic. I, I, no. I, I, I concede to your judgment on that as people who have been to Chicago before and I haven't. So <laughs> I'm like, he sounds enough like James Belushi to me, I guess it's Chicago. I don't know. But I feel like he's definitely the type that he got this role and he's like, all right. And then he went to like as many of the small like areas around Chicago as he could. And he's like, I got to hit up all these dirty diners, hang out in these bars. I have to come up with who the character is. <laughs> but then he put, he puts on this weird like accent and you're like, what are you doing, Kevin? I don't know. I, I feel like he's almost going more like Boston, like, like suburbs of Boston than he is suburbs of Chicago. Okay. I mean, uh, again, as somebody who doesn't spend time in Chicago, I'm like, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. I think the, I think more important than that is the fact that it's a really solid performance and that I think people, he does give a good performance. People forget how good an actor Kevin Bacon is because every time you say Kevin Bacon, they think about footloose or something. And it's like, yeah, but right. When you let him do something like this, he can do great things. And here's proof. Yeah. (laughs) I really, I really like his performance in this movie. I really like his kind of, the way he kind of like uh, 
because he is he, there's two different things he does that I really like. One is just the way he kind of just keeps devolving and like collapsing in on himself as he's just going more and more crazy. That part's great. Mm. But the one thing I, that I do love, it's kind of funny to me, is how he has this mode he flips on every now and again when his wife's pissed at him. <laughs> he just pretends to be like happy, go lucky, and try to be nice to her and stuff. And I love it. He does it like early in the film when, for some reason, there's a subplot where she's pregnant that isn't really relevant. Oh yeah. Um, but like when he finds out, he doesn't have a positive reaction, and she gets mad and storms off. And then he like sends i think it's her sister is the other character that he said he's like can you go upstairs and help the kid with his pajamas and then he walks into the kitchen and he's like hey it's great news and you're just like <laughs> and he does it again later when uh she's gone off to like a family funeral and he's stayed behind and he's been like jackhammering up the basement and stuff and she calls home and he's like yeah everything's fine here <laughs> you're just I just love the it. Camera pans around the house and the floors are all destroyed. <laughs> He's just covered in mud, still wearing the clothes he was wearing when she left the day before. <laughs> nah, nah, nothing's gone wrong. Look, at, uh, I feel silly for behaving the way I was when you were here. <laughs> I love that. It's so fun. To be fair, we don't know if that's the same clothes. He he just wears black on black throughout the entire movie. That's true. He has some gray. He has a. Uh, that one time when they're going out, he has like kind of a denim shirt he puts on over top of his black on black. <laughs> so I have a question, Doug, yeah. as a parent, yeah. there's a scene in this where they put the kid to bed and then they take the baby monitor and go across the street to a party. Good parenting or not? That's, that's some bad parenting. So I've had, I've actually had this discussion with people before yeah. and I think, because it's a party and because it's across the street, I'm going to agree bad parenting, bad parenting in 2023 or even in 1999. I mean, really kind of over parenting in eighties standards. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause I've, I've determined that it's okay to have people over. If you have a kid, I've had this debate with people. It's okay to have people over and it would be, it might be okay. Like in like, if you lived in like row housing to go to a neighbor's house and sit like, on their deck or something where you can easily get home and the monitor still works, but going across the street seems like a lot. And the fact that they're in a party where it's going to be loud and they'll be drinking and stuff seems. Yeah. Did I just drop out? Bad parenting. All right. I was curious. Yeah. For some reason, I remember watching the movie when it came out and I'm like, Oh, that's not bad. Like you just, uh, yeah, you got the baby monitor, you go across the street, have some drinks okay. and you're still, Again, the, you're still, uh, it's, you know, within distance. Like, listen. By the way, Noah just dropped off. I don't, I no idea why. It's fine. Um, it's just going to make everything more intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. No, I, I think the thing is that we grew up in the 80s. And in the 80s, oh, yeah. like, t- like taking that baby monitor was excessive. Like, why would you do that? The kid's right across the street. I like I wouldn't if somebody told me that when I was five or six, my I went to bed and my parents went across the street to the neighbor's house and had coffee or something, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be that surprised. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> your parents go to lock the doors and your dad's just like, What what are we living in Fort Knox? <laughs> we need to lock shit. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and there is sort of that feel in this movie where it's like there's a little bit of a, it's sort of that middle ground because on the one hand it is like, yeah, they're taking the baby monitor and going across the street. They also hire a babysitter they've never met. Like that wouldn't fly today where mm-hmm. you just like call a random teenager and have her come to your house and leave her with your kid. And the reason it wouldn't fly is because everyone's worried about 
what happens in this movie happening. Oh yeah, kidnapping. Yeah, yeah. So you just left, Noah? I uh, my I lost internet. I'm not sure what's up. Interesting. All right. So besides, like, really nitpicking the scene where they go across the street with the baby monitor. I was just curious. I'm like, I wonder if that's good or bad parenting, because I don't really know, because I don't have children. Yeah, like, I had someone um, I had someone call me once because it was, like, a row housing situation, and they were going to sit on the neighbor's back deck, and they were like, is that okay? And I'm like, I think it's okay. Like, it, you can still hear your kids from their bedroom window, but I think you're not, like, that, that street really makes a big difference in my brain, so. No. Um, from what I've read, the hypnosis scene is done very accurately. Okay. Like apparently some of the techniques she used, um, are pretty close to what they actually do when they try to hypnotize people to the point. Apparently there's an audio cue in the movie that, uh, if some people were highly susceptible to being hypnotized, it would wake them up. Okay. So that they wouldn't be stuck in hypnosis throughout the whole movie. I, I know if like I've seen that represented before, where they do that, you're in a theater or stare at the screen, like that whole thing yeah. is. I've heard that that is accurate, but I don't know how accurate. So, yeah. and apparently there are reports of people ended up falling under hypnosis during that scene. So I don't know. Could be bullshit, but who knows? Yeah. Um, I really liked Ileana Douglas in this movie. She's funny. She's great. I, I always kind of love her though, so that's not a big surprise. I don't see. I don't have like a relationship with her as an actress. Like I don't think of her ever. But mm-hmm. like this is probably my favorite performance of hers. Um, yeah. To be honest, I'm like, having trouble thinking of another one. For some reason, when I'm trying to think of what else I've seen her in, all I remember is John Favreau used to have a talk show, and she was on it. <laughs> that's what I remember. <laughs> but she in uh, Cape Fear was she? The De Niro one? Yeah, yeah, that's right. She got all beat up, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Anyways, yeah. She's done uh, yeah. a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of what I go She's back good to. in this. She plays like the hippie sister thing. And I think she has yeah. some good moments. Like there's a lot of it is like her and Kevin Bacon just like arguing with each other, <laughs> which is, it's <laughs> kind of like the comic relief of the movie is them not getting along. But yeah. then there's also like a few moments where she has, because she's, sits down with her sister and is like, like gets really genuine with her. And it, I don't know, feels Ooh. pretty real. And I, I yeah, I, totally for a comic relief character to be able to pull that off is nice. Yeah. Uh, do you have any favorite parts? Noah? Uh, no. Yeah. They, really? I, I mean, my favorite part of the movie is him digging up the backyard and Jack hammering up the basement. Yeah. <laughs> when he goes crazy, it's yeah, reasonable. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I will I mean, say once this... again, I feel like I feel like I'm kind of in the same place with this movie as I am with the gift. I I don't think that this is a bad movie. This is probably a good movie. It's just not the type of movie that I particularly find enjoyable to to a high extent. You know what I mean? See, I, I love the okay. the filmmaking of this movie, Brian. Um. <laughs> not Noah because whatever <laughs> but um, I love like there's scenes in it where Kevin Bacon is trying to recreate moments where he's seen the ghost and like there's, yeah. there's one really famous one where he's, he's sitting on the couch and he keeps kind of leaning back in the same way but I love the way the camera work is done so that it goes with him so we kind of feel like we're going there with him and we're also hoping to see the ghost and it's not there 
and that happens a few times and he keeps trying that and then there's another one where no. he like he enters a room and she's like off to the side and then when he comes back in he like the camera moves like with his head kind of thing so it feels really neat i love that element of it um i love the element at the beginning of the movie where the kid is talking to the ghost and they kind of put us pov as the ghost so the kid is talking into the camera as if there's someone there but we know there's no one there because we're the ones that are there i think it works really well it gives like a really creepy feel to it and the kid's pretty solid yeah he has that moment where he's just babbling about what he did that day or whatever you kind of just get lost in it and they pull him out of the tub and he's got the towel over his shoulders and then just that moment where he's like, Hey, I need to ask you something. Does it hurt to be dead? And it's just yeah. like, Oh, that's fucking creepy. Yeah. And then great turn the shot. So it's just him staring at the wall. Yeah. No, those are, those are all great moments. Um, yeah, really fantastic. Like that, that, or that early on period where nobody else understands that he's talking to a ghost. And as an audience, we're watching him talk to a ghost and they're just like, you know, the parents will occasionally hear him talking. You'd be like, everything okay in there. Eh, he's fine. You know, he's just playing or whatever. And they move on. But we've, we were witnessing it and I'm, I think it's all extremely well done. It really sucks you into the movie yeah. and makes you want to know who he's talking to. There's a, there's a moment in this movie where we find out that there's like a secret society of people with the shining basically mm-hmm. that are like a, no. some kind of magic support group. <clears throat> and then the movie does not pay attention to that at all. And goes back to Kevin Bacon's story. And I'm like, well, damn it. Go, that's not, go back that's to not that. Only the focus. That's not the focus, but I would have loved to have had some weird spinoff. In, in, in a different movie, I'd be curious. But what it does really well, I think, is it establishes, because we've been dealing with this hypnosis and stuff, it establishes for the audience that this is real, right? That's the purpose mm-hmm. of that moment, is not only for the audience, but also for the wife character, who has been really questioning what's been going on. She has it explained to her that there are people with this ability and that different people have different levels and it's it's kind of the exposition scene where they they break it down using the example of like walking through a dark field and every now and again a flashlight comes on and you can see everything but then it goes off and you're not able to see it anymore so yeah and i love the moment where she's like what about my son and he just goes much better flashlight (laughs) a great moment (laughs) you like the the scene where those those two meet in the graveyard yeah and they have this moment where they say bye to each other use their names even though it's yeah. not been spoken so far it's very the shining it's it's borrowed heavily yeah. from the shining but it works totally yeah i don't i don't think it's like i don't think it's unintentional that we notice it's from the shining i think they the people making this movie obviously would have figured that out i more i more think it's supposed to represent that character's appearance in the talisman okay <laughs> i shall accept that um. Yeah. What else is great about this movie? What do you think about the actual mystery, Brian? Uh, the mystery is good. Um, I mean, it's not like the most like exciting mystery at all. But having the the family like they've just moved into this house, and suddenly there's this girl that's appearing to everybody, or at least the you know the dad and the son. Yeah. And then kind of wondering like where that is. And when you find out that she's been missing, I feel like the, um, the reveal that the babysitter was her sister is kind of lame. I, could, I probably could have done without that, that all that serves is to be a giant exposition dump scene. 
Yeah. I feel like there's there's other ways that could have unfolded that information better. I don't know. Cause I, I kind of liked that whole thing where the, the baby like the, the kid reveals to the babysitter that he's been talking to her sister and she takes him and runs mm. off. And then uh, like the dad is on his way to like a football game or whatever. And suddenly realizes like psychically that his kid is being taken and goes running back. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, but I feel like when they show up and they're like, what's going on here? And then she's like, he said he's been talking to my sister. She's been missing for a year and a half. Yeah, I can see that a little bit. And then, like, you know, they dump all this stuff and it's just like, all right. Like, we could have could have maybe done something a little better here that's not just exposition dump. It, it, the only thing I would say about it, I didn't mind the exposition dump element of it because we did need that backstory. It does serve the movie. But sure. I think it kind of gets dropped completely. You're like, like the next day, like remember yesterday when our kid got kidnapped and then like, even just the cops are like, so you don't want, you don't want to press charges Then we're just going to walk away from this where you just like, we're not even going to ask you for ID on like, to, to prove that this is your kid or whatever. Like, yeah. Like you, uh, it, it really feels like it gets dropped right off and you're just like, I don't know. If that's Look how at that the works. goddamn photograph. <laughs> I just don't. I don't think you can just like be chasing someone down the street yelling, "Hey, you kidnapped my kid!" and the cops get involved, and then everyone goes, "Ah, it's fine." <laughs> just it is Chicago, though. Yeah. So they probably. I guess the cops probably just got distracted by like a gang fight or something. I ah, Broward. Yeah, yeah, I was getting ready to say I find this movie being set in Chicago to be completely unrealistic because none of the characters have a protracted conversation about which local pizza place is the better local pizza place. <laughs> oh, well, you gotta go to Gino's. Well, giving you a long history lesson about, well, you know, Semino's used to be in Aurelio's, but then he didn't like uh, listening to the guys that own Aurelio's, so he kind of came up with his own sauce, and he changed the name. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. All right. Uh, So, Doug, your Instagram post made me believe that you've read the book before. I have. As have I. Yeah. It's been a while, so we're not going to get into too detailed in discussion. Yeah. Yeah. So have I. Um, There's a couple slight differences where it's because they only have the one kid and he's like a baby, right? In the book. Yeah. And he's. Does it deal a lot more with the dad and less with... Yeah, it uh, deals more with the dad, less with the kid. Um, the dad is like a white-collar guy. It still captures that idea that he's kind of like not been as successful as he's wanted to, but he's not this cool rock and roll guy. He's just... Yeah. Um, In, uh, and the, the mystery ends up... neighbor's playing, wife or something, yeah, the, right? Yeah, the mystery plays out quite different, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, one of the things I love about the book is there's a scene where... So he's seen the ghost a couple times and he knows that she always shows up at a certain time or something in the night. And um, there's a scene where he's laying in bed and he's staring at his door. And there's just this creepy like discussion he's having in his mind where he's like, I know that if I go out in the living room, she's going to be there. Like she's there right now. She's waiting. Like she's out there. Um, She's not going to like, you know, come down the hall and run into my bedroom or anything, but She's just standing right now in the living room waiting for me. And I just felt like that's such a creepy idea of just knowing her presence is there. I actually and, remember the scene you're talking about now. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I remember that feeling of like, 
because it's all like kind of told from his perspective. So he's like laying in bed thinking like, if I get up, I can see her. I can stay here and not see her, but I know she's out there. <laughs> it's, mm. yeah, and it's Richard Matheson, uh, if we haven't mentioned that, which is, yeah, he's an amazing author. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a big Matheson nerd. I have a whole shelf of his books in my living room. Yeah. Um, side tangent. If you, uh, if you buy his uh, collected short stories, I think there's like three volumes. Yeah. Um, each after each story, there's like a little um, sort of like director's commentary where he tells you like where he came up with the story, where it was printed, oh, interesting. sort of what was going on when he wrote it and his thoughts on it and stuff like that. Very good. There's a lot of his um, short stories that were adapted into Twilight Zone yeah, episodes. I've read right? a bunch of his short stories, but not in the manner you're talking about. I didn't have any of that extra commentary really, with it. Good. I, I really thought that story was going to end with. And at the end of Stir of Echoes, he's like, so there I was, whacked out on peyote in the Arizona <laughs> Desert. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I don't know. How do we feel about the reveal that uh, the parents on the street are just like, yeah, fuck this girl, and we're going to make sure our sons make it to college? I mean, a little too real to enjoy watching? Is that like... <laughs> well, like, no, this is this school is school completely fictional. Playing. They had to hide the body. <laughs> That's what you, you're just... The cops aren't in on it? That's your... Well, I was going to say, in real life, they would have went to court and everybody would have been like, no, they got their futures ahead of them. And they'd be like, all right, you little hooligans. Yeah. Well, Where's well, this ankle monitor for six months? Yeah. Yeah. It, um, I did like the element of the story where the one, um, the one shitty kid ends up killing himself as he realizes that what's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, attempts to kill himself. He doesn't, he doesn't die, does successful? he? They never establish. They, he's he's basically think, in intensive care. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying he's still in the hospital, yeah. and the parents are going back and forth. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that, but um, yeah. yeah, like the, that I that whole thing where he shoots himself and Kevin Bacon's characters walking by and like, yeah, I, I thought that's really well, well done. That, the dream sequence is fucked up. Like when he gets to the house and the kids like, hey, look what I got. Yeah, and then he ends up shooting himself, and then quick like you know shot of him wiping blood all over his face, which yeah. is really fucked up. And, yeah. But I like that. I liked that whole element of the story. Um, I liked the performance from the dad, who's kind of like on the fence about whether what they did was right. Obviously, yeah. And at the yeah, end, yeah. he ends up saving the day, and there's that whole thing where he like he kills the landlord character and the other mm. the other shittier kid, um, and he's just like, I can't. He's like, I we did some fucked up shit, but I can't just let them murder you in cold blood because you're figuring it out, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's super fucked up. Um, I do like the moment too, though, where the, the kid is like, I don't want to go home because I'm scared of the feathers. And then we get the gun through, through the pillow and you're like, <laughs> that's a fun little just horror movie yeah. moment. I mean, the, the only problem with that premonition is uh, they're insinuating that if they had gone home, the kid would have been laying in bed. Like he, he immediately confronts those people after getting home. Like, he wouldn't have taken the time to take his child up and tucked him into bed before going into the murder basement with Gunny McGee. Well, it's, it, you, we're not sure how the timing would have worked exactly because the wife was would have brought the kid home. 
and she might have put the kid to bed like realizing things are fucked up here put the kid to bed and then gone down to help him deal with the situation i suppose i don't know i'm kind of with noah on that one though that is something i thought about i'm like so would she walk into this awkward situation and be like okay let me go well, put the kid down and i'll come back down and you guys can then murder me yeah i'm not sure like, I'm not sure exactly when she would, when she would have walked in. The timeline might be off a little bit because the kid chose not to yeah. come. That's I'm I'm giving the movie that. That's this is me obviously defending a movie that I just like and not wanting to acknowledge <laughs> something's wrong with it. Is I, I now I think the timeline was skewed a little bit because her kid refused to go. It's that yeah. that extra few minutes where she's like trying to get him to get in the car and he's like I want to stay in Uncle Steve's. I think that whole puts her in getting there later and she would have walked in while he, they were still in the basement. And she would have like maybe seen the body and put the kid to bed right away just to avoid him seeing it or something. Yeah. Um, how do we feel about the very, very end as they drive away from the house? I mean, the idea that like, they're not really saving the day because there's just going to be more ghosts wherever they go. Yeah. There's, there's ghosts in every house. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah I feel like um, one of the things that gets overlooked in ghost stories is always like, they always save the, the, uh, the ghost, like do whatever, to bring it peace or yeah. whatever. And then they just go away. And it's like, yeah, but if you can sense ghosts, like where are you going to go in the world that there isn't one? So mm. the idea here being, yeah, like wherever they go next, there'll be a new mystery. There is a sequel to this. I haven't watched it, but uh, I was going to ask that uh, it has nothing to do with this. Yeah. Nothing to do with so this. I was wondering if like it's Rob Lowe. So I'm just like, he's not taking over for Kevin Bacon. Is he going to try to play him off as the same character? No, he's like a Gulf War vet or something that had something happen to him, and now he can see dead people. See, oh, see, that doesn't sound too bad. That sounds like it could be interesting. Yeah, stir of echoes too. More echoes a stirring. <laughs> yes, that's what it's called. Actually, you think you're being funny, but it's actually the real name of it. So, uh, I believe it's stir of echoes too. Homecoming. That makes more sense given your plot description. Yeah, I may be wrong, but. Um... I don't know. I just, I really like this movie. Um, it's one of those I didn't see in theaters. Uh, and then, uh, oh, it's just stir of echoes, colon, homecoming, no two. No two? Oh. Okay. That's bold. Um, the homecoming. Sorry. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but then the cover poster has stir of echoes too. Yeah, fuck this. Um, I didn't see it in theaters, but uh, I'm not my sure roommate, that we need to get this deep. Came, had this. it on DVD and we watched it. No, no, I'm, I'm saying I didn't see it when it came out because I was just like, ah, I don't know, spooky movie, whatever. But then I watched it on DVD and I was like, oh shit, like I feel like this is a really good movie, and like I'm kind of bummed that uh, um, that I didn't go to the theater to see this. Yeah. Um, All right, fuck everybody, I guess. No, I'm 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 just trying to come up with my story i think it was a blind rental for me the first time i saw it and just was like oh ghost story sure why not i'm 90 percent sure i saw it in theaters so the, apparently the theater going experience is terrible because that's what takes you from really liking this movie to not liking it is what you see in theaters. once again it's a fine movie i'm just not as gaga over it as you guys are i i, I love it i've always loved it I, I i don't i can't count how many times i've seen it over the last 25 years and it, Really holds up well, I think. Oh, apparently, Rob Lowe goes to see somebody about his uh, his new thing, and apparently that character is supposed to be Jake from the first one. Okay, I don't, I don't like that. 
That's dumb. I don't want it to tie in at all because I just don't. I just don't. Want, I just I just don't want it to be in any of this. No. Nope. All right. Anything else, Sir of Echoes? Uh, so, so two interesting points. One is the use of the song "Painted Black" mm-hmm. in this movie. So yes. Like, so they got like a they got like a a band to do a cover version of the song for the movie. And I, I really, I kind of like the use of the the song, except for the fact that maybe it's a bit too popular of a song for him to hear the kids singing it and not immediately know what it is. Um, mm-hmm. But what's really interesting is, for some reason, when they were trying to find a cover version of this of the song to be played, they got a bunch of different like Canadian punk and metal bands to do cover versions of this, and several of them released them. So around this time, it was like right before the, nice. right before this movie came out. It's like, why are multiple bands that I listen to releasing covers <laughs> of Painted Black? That's weird. Like, I don't, like why, why are Gob and the Tea Party both releasing versions of this same song from... And it turns out it was because they were like trying to get it in the movie. And, Polite Jimmy and the A's. <laughs> so... That's 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 just a funny thing for me. If I would recommend the Tea Party version, if you're going to go back and listen to any of them, by the way. Um, the other thing about this movie that I think about every time is when he's digging in that backyard, and the water won't. First, the hose won't reach, so he just calmly, politely no. moves the hose, and then the fucking second tap won't work, and he gets all mad. And he kicks that bucket, and then the bucket flies up and breaks a window. Yeah. I have never related to a character in a film more in my entire life. <laughs> it's just like, you're doing everything right. Something goes wrong. You try to stay calm. Now the next fucking thing doesn't work. So you just, I'm just going to kick this bucket to make myself feel better. And fuck it, broke a window now. Like, oh, <laughs> I just, the whole time I'm like this poor bastard. I, I, I completely understand what you're going through. Not the ghost stuff, but the water not working makes total sense to me. <laughs> Oh. Uh, which complete accident, by the way. Really? Yep. Just, just sort of happened, and he didn't break character. He just kept going and went into the house. And they're like, perfect. That's the take we're using. Yeah. That's, I mean, I guess, it, sure, why not? It works in the movie. <laughs> and, man, I just, I, like, yeah. when it happens, I'm like, it, it really brings me on side with him. So, like, that's exactly what would happen to me in that circumstance. <laughs> Fucking it, It's like... Um, oh, how do we feel about uh, Ghost Girl? You, you feel a little you, weird. You mean she's... Girl from House, the TV she on the, the show House, the, the TV show yeah, House. The TV show. I was thinking the movie House, and I'm like, well, was she a baby when they came out? Like, yeah. I don't. I've never. I don't watch House. I've never seen an episode of House, so I accept that she was on it. Um, do we feel weird about her mental state in this movie? Yes. I I I I don't quite understand what they're going for with her because they bring up about 20 times that well there's the one guy throwing around slurs but then they're like yes. no she was just a little slow and then whenever you see her in the memories you're like yeah i mean she actually seemed kind of normal just a little awkward yeah yeah i i, I don't it's yeah, like, those... normal's normal's the wrong word it's one of those like yeah. movie mental health issues that I don't know that there's a real world world corollary for it. Like it's just, yeah, just, yeah. What, what they came up with for the movie. That yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't actually exist. Like it's cause clearly she's like 
air quotes normal enough that she'd be going to like a regular school and these kids know her and stuff mm-hmm. but she's obviously not all there which does make the crime of attempting to rape her and then murdering her worse um, yeah well i feel like it's weird that like so they invite her in they're like hey come in here and so they come in and they're drinking beer or whatever and they're like, hey, you go to school, you're kind of hot, right? And she's like, well, you can kiss me if you want. And I'm just like, where did, where's, like, this just kind of, like, escalated out of nowhere. I feel like the writing of the dialogue for that scene is, is not great. I don't know. I don't know if I have a problem with the writing per se. I think if you just accept that she's not all there. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you could make the argument, maybe you're seeing it from her perspective. If she's got, like, maybe, like, a... A little bit more of a developmental disability, maybe. Yeah. She saw it differently than how it actually happened, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's a little... I think maybe part of the issue, too, is I think the guys are supposed to be way more drunk than they come across. Like, it feels like they're yeah. having a beer, not, like, shit-faced beyond all yeah. recognition. They should have put a bunch of empty cans around their feet or something. I don't know. Yeah, we stole a beer from my dad, and they're like, took two sips, and like, I'm so drunk. I was gonna say, I also almost wonder if there isn't a they went back and softened it a little bit. Because when you see the corpse, did you guys notice that the corpse doesn't look like her? I didn't think so. Like, the corpse has crooked buck teeth and a bunch of stuff. Like, the the corpse looks like a girl with like an actual disability disability. And I, I'm almost wondering if they didn't go back and go, Oh, that's too much. Oh, that's possible. Cause the, I, now that you're saying it, the corpse hand is in that really traditional pose that you would expect. Handicapped right. person's hand to be in. I don't, I don't know if that's how their hands actually go or if that's just movies. Um, but that's, you're, that's interesting that you're saying that. Because the teeth, I mean, I in which it, if like, that's what happened, they made the right call. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't think you'd want it to get much more horrific than it does. Yeah, I actually, yeah. I actually think that scene might uh, be. I don't know for the for the tone of the rest of the movie. That scene's a little uh, unnecessarily gratuitous. Yeah, I don't. I think you need to make it horrific enough so that like part of the objective there is we're going to watch the guys get shot later. And we need to make sure that we're rooting for them to get shot. Um, And we need to understand that what they did is horrific enough to justify the fact that they're willing to kill others to cover it up, you know, but it's, 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 it's pretty rough watch. Like there's no denying that. So. Yeah. Stir of echoes. Go watch it. Yeah. Careful with that one scene, I guess. (laughs) Trigger warning. By that, I mean the scene where he's just trying to get the fucking hose to work and he ends up breaking a window. <laughs> Poor fucking guy. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. What was everybody watching this last week? Uh, not a lot. Watched the first few episodes of Echo. Mm-hmm. Haven't finished it? 
No, no, I think I'm three in or something like that. We only got two left. It's like an hour altogether. I'm trying to. There's some. I don't know. Once again, I'm I'm trying not to be a comic book dude that's going to throw a piss fit about them <laughs> changing characters and stuff like that. But I yeah. don't. I don't know. I don't quite get the power set that they're trying to put on her, especially whenever her original power set is much more interesting well from what i've read because i don't really know much about this character is they're trying to make her different than the taskmaster character who's yeah. going to be in thunderbolts i i suppose except the issue that and i know taskmaster is coming back for thunderbolts but they kind of shit the bed with taskmaster and black widow i agree and so who gives a fuck because they didn't yeah. give taskmaster taskmaster's abilities in that movie so who cares Mm-hmm. I do feel like there's a way you could have done it and made it different enough that it still would have been interesting. Um, which Doug, I don't know. Have you watched Echo, Doug? I have watched all of it. Yeah, but I don't know anything about this character coming in. Um, in so. the in the comic books, she has a. I'm tr- I'm trying to remember what it's called. She has it's like eidetic muscle mimicry i think is what they call it basically if she watches somebody do something she and like she has to be able to see it in some detail she can then replicate it so in the comic books she's like a brilliant concert pianist because all she has to do is watch people play piano long enough and she can just do it so the idea is she can watch daredevil fight and then fight like daredevil yeah Okay, so I can see why they wouldn't want to give her the same because that is how Taskmaster was described, despite yeah. Noah not liking him in Black Widow. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, yeah. Essentially, it's the same. the The big difference between the two of them is that Taskmaster's ability is actually supposed to be a a superpower, superpower, mm-hmm. and she's supposed to be more like a savant. Okay, that's not at all what she is in the show. I mean, it, oh. apparently. So. Well, in in the comic books, eventually they gave her more powers because she became host to like the Phoenix Force for a while, and then she went by the name Thunderbird, and she had a bunch more powers, and they kind of leaned into her Native Americanness a little harder. In this, yeah, in this, they imply that she's going to developing powers from I don't know, I'm trying to remember what you've seen and what you haven't. Um, she's but, got spirally hand powers. Yeah, so she's going to start to get more and more powers that are coming through her ancestors or whatever, which is fine. Which I will say, I, I, I don't know if I was a big fan of all the flashbacks to people that we were not actually following. Well, I'm kind of, it, it's kind of interesting in the idea that it's this, uh, that the power kind of is the power of ancestry kind of, you know what I mean? It's the, yeah. that you are powered by the ancestors. Mm-hmm. which is which is cool i mean they, once again they're trying to lead into native american stuff and if i understand correctly they brought on a whole lot of yeah like native yeah. american consultants they, uh, and stuff to try to they submitted all the scripts to the uh choctaw um tribe or whatever to make sure they got everything right and and motherfucker people are losing their fucking mind over that <laughs> because one goddamn version of her in the fucking comic books is blackfoot yeah. And how dare they make her Choctaw? 
when she's Blackfoot. And of course, the only people saying that are fucking white dudes. Okay, I don't give a shit about any of that. But as far as the show goes, I will say they really did a good job of uh, representation without pandering, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've complained in the past about how like when they try to do representation sometimes it turns into pandering here not at all here it's like yeah she's a native person it's part of who her character is it's important to who her character is but it's not like the show doesn't just become all about that it's not like phoniness and just trying to trying to prove to the audience that how cool they can be by showing that she's native like it's just part of who the character is same thing with her disabilities um, her deafness and stuff really doesn't get brought up that much because it's just part of who she is you know i do like graham green's character in it um her like step grandpa or whatever he's just inherently likable so (laughs) So good i love that guy i like that he's just fleecing white people for (laughs) their idiotic white people are coming in like got any of them navajo blankets they're just like oh fucking christ <laughs> He's like, why don't you get the fuck out of here? <laughs> it's yeah, but again, like yeah, important to the character that she has this heritage, but not pandering, and it's not doesn't turn into some whole like defending their reserve against a influx of white people or something. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's the whole story isn't that. It's just that's yeah. who this character happens to be, and yeah. she's now involved with the kingpin and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, apparently, which I was not aware until I watched the video, uh, the girl that plays Bonnie, her cousin slash sister, um, voiced Kahori in the what if episodes. Okay. Hmm. I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, once again, I'm not, so I'm on episode three. So I'm, I, I, it ended where, uh, Kingpin just showed back up with the eye patch. Okay. Oh, okay. You haven't got some good stuff. Well, and I'm interested to see where they go with it because I actually don't, so far, I don't like what they're doing with Kingpin. Okay, your 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 inability to be right about anything is fascinating. Well, (laughs) no, he's every moment with that. She she straight up betrayed him, and part of that character's like ethos is. Yes, he can be very loyal to people that are loyal to him. But if you are not loyal to him, you are crushed. Like, that is what he's always been in the comic books. He's also always been portrayed in the modern era, at least. I don't go back very far as super protective and caring of his family. And he goes out of his way constantly to call himself uncle throughout this show. He yeah, I think the next as family. That's it's not. This is not one of his. The people that works for him being a turning on him. This is mm-hmm. his daughter, his niece, whatever you want to call it. Is and and he still thinks of her that way. I think the next episode, Noah, establishes that maybe a little bit more. Um, but can we all just agree that uh, biscuits is fantastic and biscuits? I would like more of him, please. Is that the? Cousin guy with the big beard. Yeah, it's the cousin who uh, wrecks the truck. Yeah, no, he's he's super. He needs fun. some superpowers. Biscuits is pretty great. That that scene where he is driving along and she's on the train and she's doing all this cool stuff on the train to like get in there and the whole time I'm like just following him because he's so much fun to watch. <laughs> I hope, like hopefully they don't overuse him. Like they can, as a yeah. 
you know, well, we'll see how it goes. Fucking, they do some kind of weird thing where Biscuits and Darcy hook up. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I want that to happen. Everybody make that happen. Anyways. Yeah, I don't know. Overall, though, I, I have to say I really liked Echo. I think that this is the first thing they've released under that new banner that's supposed to be their darker edge stuff, more adult content. And I think they. Well, yeah. Kind of darker. And supposedly the spotlight thing will differentiate between it's not something you have to watch for the overall ongoing story of the MCU. Well, yeah, I think because I think the idea of having a ground level separate universe within the big universe is interesting because we don't have these guys aren't going to space anytime soon. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Uh, Did you watch anything else, Noah? That is it. What did you watch, Doug? Uh, I accidentally followed up on our last week's show by watching another Kevin Smith movie because I <laughs> stopped at a buddy's place and I go, what are you doing? He goes, I just turned on Dogma. And I went, all right. And I sat down. <laughs> I was like, I, was, I had like groceries in the car and stuff, but apparently I was staying for a couple hours. Um, I haven't watched Dogma in a while. It's, I mean, it's so good. Right. I mean, it's like, it's extremely well-written movie. It, it's interesting because it came out in 1999 and it's got this sort of anti-religion message to it. Um, and it's just weird how controversial that was then. And now it's like, yeah, it's 350 YouTube channels with the same message. If you really want to hear, it. you know, but back then it well, was like this very controversial thing. It's a weird, like it's not even overly anti-religious. It's just anti like the dumb shit about religion. It's everybody's into now, but it's very pro like spirituality and faith and everybody forgets. It's important to remember, like it was written by a guy that believed in Jesus, just in like following the church. Yeah. And it, I think that comes across very clearly in it Mm -hmm. that it's not, you know, you're not stupid for having beliefs. You're stupid for putting your faith in it institution created by human beings yeah um which is accurate never put your faith in in an institution created by human beings agreed um but it's yeah i mean the movie holds up really well there is a rubber poop monster in it which is pretty funny (laughs) the ability of them love that he uses that as an example when people get mad about it he's like but there's a giant rubber poop monster how could you be mad at this movie but they First of all, I love that the we talk about like we talked about last week. Kevin Smith just having the balls to like put a guy in a walrus suit and stuff. Yeah. There's a giant rubber poop monster in this movie that comes in, and all it is is a one-off joke where Silent Bob pulls like a, a spray of, of something out of his that kills odors <laughs> and he sprays it and it collapses and it's over. That's the whole thing. <laughs> like it's this, that's the joke. I love that. Um, you know, but. But I also love the fact that they can get away with doing jokes like that in a movie that's also got all this message about spirituality and everything in it. <laughs> and you know, it's 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 a real really fun watch. Great performances. Like I always forget for some reason I forget that Matt Damon's a really good actor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I forget that about him. But then like there, there's the moment where they're all on a train together and they all just kind of run into the people that have been chasing each other but haven't actually crossed paths all movie. Yeah. And, and uh, what's her name? Bethany walks up, and J- Jay and Bob are drinking with uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And then he just goes, 
So Jay says, you're going to have sex with him? Like he just he delivers that line so perfectly where he's just like, as if, so I hear you're about to have sex with this guy. Like as if that's a normal thing to say. It's just so great. So. Uh, so good. Anyways. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much we need to go on and on about dog bun unless we'd like want to add it to the list and do it. Cause we could probably have a lot of discussions if we all watched it at the same time, but did you uh, did you read the comic books that take place between Chasing Amy and Dogman? I, I did a long time ago. Yeah, I just remember those being a lot of fun. Yeah, it's I don't <clears throat> I really don't remember them very well. So yeah, I got them in a comic book box somewhere. Yeah, and I was at a like a Wizard World, and Jay and Kevin were there at their View Askew booth, which was surrounded by people. Yeah. But I was able to like get up there and hand the comics to each one of them. They both signed them. So that's pretty cool. It's kind of fun. Um, so yeah, other than that, the only other movie I, I kind of watched, I've been putting off this movie for a long time because I've been wanting to sit down and watch it properly. But then I realized it's been years of waiting to watch it until I had time. So I just watched it kind of half-assed, <laughs> which is trained to Bissane. Oh Bissan. yeah. Trained to Bissane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I've been avoiding it because I'm like, no, it's supposed to be a really good movie. So I want to sit down and like watch it with subtitles and not the dubbed version and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the other day I was saw it on the thing and I'm like, it's, it's been a long time that I've been saying one day I'm going to watch that. <laughs> so <laughs> I better just hit play, even though I'm not going to play, pay a proper attention. So it was the, I put the dubbed version on, which hurt the film, especially since subtitles were also on and, the subtitles and the dub were different, which is interesting. Mm. Um, I suspect the subtitles were more accurate because the dub sounded kind of stupid sometimes. Um, But yeah, that's a good movie. Everybody that has already seen it except me and enjoyed it, (laughs) they were right. (laughs) So he's on a train, right? Yep. I watched it. Um, So me and some friends went down to new Orleans and um, they decided, you know what? There's so many of us. It's going to be really expensive to drive. What if we took a train down? It's like, all right. And then turns out that's a 24 hour train ride, which kind of sucks just sitting on a train for 24 hours. So, so I downloaded on the train. So I downloaded a bunch of movies off Netflix and I watched train to Busan on the train to get the full experience. And did that enhance your experience? It did. It was great. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that there's much to say about the movie. It is just zombies on a train. Um, yeah. but it's really well done and it's really fun to watch. Zombies are pretty cool. <laughs> and there's that moment where they're stopped. And I really enjoyed the, uh, the conductor is like, I'm going to go try to find another train. You guys can come with me if you want. You cannot. I don't know. He's like, I'm going to keep trying to run. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> just gets out and runs to the next train and he can't get them to work or whatever. And the one already has zombies in it. He's just getting frustrated. I guess that's my, the theme of the week is I'm really relating to the characters that are just getting frustrated because nothing's going right. <laughs> are you going to watch the sequel? Uh, probably. Maybe. I'm, I haven't watched that one, so I don't know if it's any good or yeah. not. I've heard it's good as well. Not as good, but I don't, I, you know me. I, I could say I'm going to watch something, but unless I'm being absolutely forced to, there's a real chance that I won't. So. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Nope, that is it. Well, I watched two things. Um, I watched a movie called Silent Madness. 
I was in a mood for a slasher movie, okay. <clears throat> preferably one I had not seen before. Okay. And, what year uh, is this from? 1984. Okay. And a couple months ago, I saw a bunch of uh, like horror slashery movies on sale for like five bucks a piece on Vudu. So I just snatched them up because I'm like, why not? And I think it was one of those like buy three movies for like 15 bucks or something. So it's one where like, oh, I need another one. Oh, this is a slasher movie. I've never heard of it before. Um, so I grabbed that one. Uh, finally got around to watching it. So this movie is a total Black Christmas ripoff set during spring break. And if I'm, so, reading, if I'm reading this correctly, not only is it in 3D, but the plot is that they accidentally released a criminally insane man and then try to cover it up. Yes. Down for it. There was a... Uh, they were supposed to uh, release a guy named John Howard. They released a guy by accident named Howard Johns. And he was like criminally insane. Slow clap. <laughs> that deserves a slow clap. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to say anything else. I'm sold on this movie. Uh, well, it's not super great. Um, I don't care. <laughs> he, uh, he was put in the institution for killing a bunch of girls in a sorority house okay so of course as soon as he gets out first place he goes sorority house yeah and um spring break's coming up so they're all like some of them are taken off so it does the whole like all right well i'm gonna start packing up and then you never see that character again so they're like oh she must have left already sort of situation yeah um there is a pretty long stretch where nothing really happens in this movie and it's all about this nurse being like we accidentally let out the wrong guy and going through the bureaucracy of like dealing with the hospital who's just like look it was an accident let's not make a big deal about it and she's like there's there's a a murderer out on the streets like we need to make a big deal about that totally fine totally fine he was totally rehabilitated so i don't know some of that stuff was boring, and then they come up with this plan, like, we don't want to freak people out. So what if you, the nurse, head over to the sorority house, say you were a sorority sister years ago, and you're driving through town, just need a place to stay, and see if they'll let you stay at the sorority house so you can keep an eye on them. And I'm like, Sounds oh, pretty stupid. It. <laughs> so it just gets ridiculous, and the kills aren't super great. I think there's one or two that might be okay, but... Yeah. That's that's the real key is if the kills are good, I can forgive everything else you're saying. Yeah, but yeah, it kind of falls apart. Not super great, which is disappointing because on paper it has everything going for it, but in practice, not so much. Yeah. Um, the other thing I watched was the new Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earths Part One. Is this animated? Yes. Okay. Uh, which they're doing a three part crisis movie event um so apparently back with it uh what is it superman man of tomorrow man of steel i'm gonna assume man of tomorrow uh one of the animated movies they decided to it was sort of like a soft reboot of all their animated movies and that everything going forward from that one would take place in the same continuity and uh that's been years ago and now they're it's like, well, time to reboot everything. So they're going to do the crisis uh, crossover. So I haven't really been keeping up with all the animated movies, but, um, you know, I like the crisis story. So I'm excited to check it out. Um, 
lots of stuff with Barry Allen in this movie, which I know there was some in the book. It's been a while since I read the book. Man, I feel like they focus on that a lot. A lot of him like re um, sort of like um, going back and dealing with a bunch of different reliving different events throughout his life. And it's all sort of like him running through the speed force and stuff, but <clears throat> then they stop and he, you know, we sort of see these scenes play out and he seems kind of aware of what's going on, like that he's reliving these things, like while the scene is happening. But um, I don't know, spend a lot of time on that. They finally get to the actual crisis part of it. Um, I don't know. Some of that stuff's okay, but the biggest disappointment for me is, is we're doing it. You know, there's two other parts. Maybe they'll get to this is we're doing a crisis on infinite earth event and they are not pulling in like a bunch of characters from the other animated versions of DC stuff. seems like this is your kind of point to do that. seems like, yeah, you would do that. Yeah. But uh, no, I feel like it's all been like sort of like, oh, this is an alternate version of this character. But it seems like they only exist in this movie rather than trying to find a counterpoint that they could pull from an already existing animated show to do that with. But I don't know. They said maybe they'll get more into it in the uh, second and third part, but I found that kind of disappointing. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you want from a crisis storyline is to see. Yeah. Anything interdimensional, you want to see characters you recognize, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you've if you've read Crisis, right? The original Crisis. Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, I've, I yeah. have it sitting on my bookshelf. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say because there's a reason why they're focusing on Barry. No, I know he plays like a big part of it, but I feel like the first because the the movie itself is an hour and a half, and I feel like a good like two thirds of it is focusing on on this Barry stuff. Um, I feel like maybe that could have been doled out a little bit more across three movies, um, as the story unfolds, but it seemed a little heavy for this version of the, for this, uh, part of the movie, but I don't know when the other two parts come out, maybe I'll reassess and see if it plays better, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I like the crisis story. I'll check out the other two parts too, but so far there's just been kind of some moments where I'm like, Oh, we could have, uh, I could have done something. In this area with some characters that have already been established. I'm I'm definitely excited for the restart because uh man, the the last continuity uh mm-hmm. which kind of led up to whatever Justice League apocalypse or whatever. Yeah. Was all real good. And ever since then it's been not so good. Yeah, I haven't watched a whole lot of them. I was kinda of big on the the Batman animated movies, but I didn't uh I didn't really Kept up with them since they rebooted everything. I'm just saying, if there's any time to bring in the Wonder Twins from Super Friends, now would have been the time. And they haven't done it. Let's all act surprised that they didn't do that. <laughs> hey, they, they teased doing it on the on the live action uh, Crisis crossover. Um, didn't come to fruition by the time all those shows ended, but. They at least teased it. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Much to uh, Doug's dismay, Noah, you're in charge of picking movies for next week. What are we watching? Indeed. Let me just scroll through here and make sure I don't want to change my mind. Okay. Mm, I think my initial assessment was the better one. Uh, yes, we're going to do Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Death to Smoochie. All right. 
Pee-wee being a very beloved movie and Death to Smoochie being a criminally underappreciated movie. Yeah, I've never seen it. So this will be fun. I've never seen either of these. Well, that's right. You didn't grow up with Pee-wee's Big Adventure. No, I, I've i never seen anything Pee-wee. Mm, I'm yes, really curious how this will play to you. Yeah, I, I think Doug might not have a good time with it. Seeing how the character of Pee-wee, if you actually stop and think about it, is kind of just an insufferable asshole. <laughs> yeah, uh, my concern is that this is the kind of thing where if I'd seen it when I was a kid and then was rewatching it, it might be might be more enjoyable than trying to watch it for a first time now. That is definitely a possibility. So we'll it makes you feel better. Death to Smoochie is Ed Norton and Robin Williams uh, both putting in fucking performances. I, I saw a few minutes of that movie once and I turned it off because I thought this is the kind of movie I should sit down and watch. Now that was... It, defi- mean, it definitely think, is. I believe it that seems... was in the 90s. So and I never I, got around to rewatching it. I feel like it's one of those movies that if you like... I don't know. Well, obviously, we'll talk about it next week. But I, I think if you watch a trailer for it, you go, oh, this is just a fucking silly movie. And it's kind of not like it is. It's very funny. It's definitely a dark comedy. But I don't know. There's just a lot going on. We'll, we'll probably discuss it in more detail next week. Um, I was going to bring something up. I completely forgot what it was. How do you think we feel? We didn't even know what it was yet. I know, right? I don't know. Must not have been important. Nah, probably not. Oh, there's a new. Um, this isn't it, but uh, there's a new Suicide Squad game coming out, and I guess I didn't realize that uh, Kevin Conroy does Batman in it. So this will officially be his last Batman project oh. before he passed away. Is Kevin this still the Suicide Squad game that they've been working on for about ten fucking years that they keep <laughs> fucking up and having to keep pulled because it sucks? Um, I don't know. I know they showed a trailer showed a trailer for it a couple of years ago that yeah so it was it was all FMV sequences it had no gameplay in it yeah and then whenever they saw gameplay it's an over the shoulder shooter game yeah I don't know um, but I think in that trailer they said it wasn't coming out to 2024 so that's not a big surprise but yeah I haven't really seen much about it other than uh, that initial trailer but I think it's coming out in a couple of weeks finally. <laughs> I don't know. See, I kind of just want a uh, another Arkham game. If they can uh, somehow get a Kevin Conroy sound alike, but I know that's gonna be tough. Yeah, you know, they just need to bring back in uh, uh, what's his face. Uh, uh, damn it, the the dude who did his voice for Brave and the Bold, <laughs> Dietrich Bader. Yeah, Dietrich Bader. No, I fucking love Dietrich Bader as Batman's voice. No, I, I that's that's a fantastic show. It's just a completely different take on Batman than. Right, right, but that's—I think—that's a tonal issue, not a voice acting issue. I mean, he's got a good rumbly Batman voice. Yeah, I'm totally down for a Brave and the Bold game. They made a couple like um, like Nintendo DS games for Batman Brave and the Bold, but they never did like a full on like video game for that. And I feel like they should have. Still had my favorite uh, version of Aquaman in it. You mean the only tolerable version of Aquaman. <laughs> in the history in the history of Aquaman, the only one. 
And I suppose the Silver Age, Silver Age Aquaman was okay too. But that's if you like Silver Age comics, then you would like Aquaman. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've read a whole lot of Silver Age, but um, the only real versions I know of growing up were the uh, Super Friends version. So, uh, yeah, Super Friends version is pretty close to Silver Age. Oh yeah. Okay, well, he's the one that they just made fun of all the time for yeah. for not yeah. having any good powers. Yeah, yeah. So Silver Age was very much the the like cartooniest superheroes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't have anything else to talk about. No, unfortunately, you guys decided to take it in a direction that I was unqualified to comment on. <laughs> so talking about video games and comic books, I'm like, yeah, a little bit for me. <sighs> Sorry, we were talking about. Tom Hortons and uh, some sort of hockey or something. Yes. You Apology. know the hockey games. Apology accepted. <laughs> now you know better. The other day I was just like, look at that hockey player with the stick doing the thing. This is where Noah pretends he doesn't like hockey, but we all know that he used to go to games. I, I like, here's the thing. I like watching live hockey. I know nothing about the rules of hockey. <laughs> Put puck in net. Yeah. Stick, puck, guy gets yeah. hit against wall very hard to make loud noise. But then there's like icing and like all these other rules that I don't. Well, I made understand. you guys watch Slap Shot so that we could have yeah. the brief explanation of the rules that is put into the front of that movie. Yeah, but you're you know. not allowed to chop another man with your stick. But you are weirdly kind of allowed to jab somebody with the stick for some reason. <laughs> no, technically allowed. Anyways, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to end the show now. <laughs> somebody do something entertaining. Quick. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.